not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back. To another mobile rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC, and we are continuing our Fanholes Christmas Month with Mobile Suit Mondays. And I am joined tonight by three, count them, three of my fellow mobile suit enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout out, say Merry Christmas, and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hi, I'm Mike. Merry Christmas. And I like to infiltrate secret organizations using a name that will no doubt get me captured. Maggie, this is Justin. Hey guys, this is Tony. And Santa gave me the greatest gift of all. A Gundam that could do a spinning triple backflip. Woo! So, in case you, you haven't figured it out, we are discussing the only thing possible that we could tie into Christmas month for Fanhole's Mobile Suit Mondays. And that's going to be the original video animation OVA for all the kids out there who are like what's an OVA and it's going to be Mobile Suit Gundam Endless Waltz or I guess as they like to call it what is it New Mobile Report Gundam Wing Endless Waltz so and, and originally this was a series of three OVAs that was that were released in 1997. It's set in the After Colony era, which is a Gundam alternate universe. It's considered both a, a prequel and a sequel to the Mobile Suit Gundam Wing anime. And basically, I mean, it, it's a sequel in the sense that it continues the story of Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, but it's also a prequel because there are tons and tons of flashbacks regarding events of the Gundam pilots in the past and kind of what Operation Meteor was originally about. And at some point in 1998, the three OVAs were compiled into a compilation movie that had a few additional new scenes and an actual, honest-to-God, original soundtrack. So that that's kind of how I watch this. I'm, I'm curious. Like, w when you guys rewatched this, did you rewatch the OVAs, like the three episodes? Or did you do you guys always watch the movie? Like, I always watch the movie. I don't know. What do you guys watch? No, oh, I've it's... never even seen the OVAs. 
Okay. Yeah, like the OVAs are what aired on Cartoon Network originally. So like that's how I saw it originally, but then after that, like I'd I'd watch the movie version. However, like the movie and the OVAs have a different arrangement of their the score, and I like certain yeah, scenes yeah. like better, like in certain versions, basically based on like what music they used. Hmm, that's that's interesting. I'm I'm totally used to the the movie score, basically, like because it is mostly original music, and it seems like the OVA score kind of cribs from the actual anime. Like, is there like since you mentioned it, like are there like what is it that you prefer from like the OVAs over the the movies. I'm just curious. As far as I know, the OVA has the same well like the it uses the same score but it just rearranges them. Like it rearranges tracks basically. I I don't know. I I don't really listen to it that much, but I mean I did try to compare it and I know like that Tumix song isn't even in the OVA, so. Yeah, the, like they they don't use every track, but like this yeah. I don't know, there's certain things like I I love the this music in the very first scene like the prologue in the movie like when they do the like flashback to like the last episode of the series like uh i think it's just called like the music piece is called prologue but they they use something different in the ova versions but i i like the ova versions when sandrock heavy arms and death sight that like arrive in brussels like i like OV, the ova versions music better like more it's kind of more heroic and stuff okay cool yeah i i, I just noticed that like a, a lot of the stuff that i was used to like i, I think well, I guess we'll get into it when I, I cover sort of my, my details and notes, but some of the sequences that I would watch over and over again, I'm used to hearing the music from the the movie compilation. And, and when I did, just for giggles, like turn on like the third episode of the OVA just to hear what the differences in music were, I kind of went, oh, wow, that's totally different music. Like it's all oh, music from yeah, like, like the anime. You know, one of the signature moments in the movie, you know, when Hero reunites with Wing Zero, like obviously the movie version's a lot better because it's got like the J-pop song like playing or right, whatever, right. where as in the OVAs, it's just kind of like a like standard moment, basically, where it's just like, I got my gun to back. OK, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess turning it to to just fill in the, the listeners on when this actually aired in the States, like for us, it was November 10th. In the year 2000, the far-flung future of 2000. So, you know, when, when it was 2000, that's, that's actually when this aired on Cartoon Network. And so that would probably be around the first time most of us saw this, if not the first time most of us saw this. But uh, what, what, what about you, Tony? Do you commonly, do you like the OVAs? Do you like the compilation movies? Like, do you have any preferences? I don't have a preference, but I, I do remember like a, a fond memory. At one point, Cartoon Network did actually show the movie. They even like hyped it. You know, they're like, you know, like like you've seen Endless Waltz, but see Endless Waltz like you've never seen it before. You know, this Saturday the movie. And at the time, I was rooming out with some friends of mine. He had a big screen TV. We all plunked down and watched the the movie. And like I said, I don't know if it was like a huge impression on me as far as the differences. But it was just really enjoyable to like watch the whole thing straight through, and and you know, because at the time, like Mike said, Cartoon Network was airing, you know, Gundam Wing, you know, 
I, th- I think they aired Endless Falls as kind of like part of the, the, the block of winning episodes, right, Mike? I think they they showed it all together, but like it was the OVA version and they didn't edit out like the credits and the like scene, like the bumpers and stuff. So it was like a movie with bumpers and like end credits, like mixed in in the middle, like weirdly. Yeah, that might have been what I saw. They, like, they just called it the movie. But... They call, I think in the US at least, they call the, the movie version the special edition, basically. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the DVD says. It basically yeah. distinguishes it as, oh, this is the special edition, and these are the, you know, the OVAs. And when you watch it on like the DVD menu, it breaks it down yeah. into the three different episodes that are probably like what, like 30, 30 minutes a piece. Yeah, but then when you watch like when you watch the movie, it's like you're watching like almost like a two hour movie or something yeah, like they, that. Yeah, they add about they, they add like what, like ten minutes yeah, or something, yeah, something like that, like into the movie. Gundam has done a really good job of maintaining popularity in the states ever since it first started showing Gundam Wing on Cartoon Network. But I will say that, like, right when Gundam Wing was airing all the way to Endless Waltz and everything, Gundam was really big at that point. It, like, took off really big. There was, like, models everywhere. You can get the toys in any store, and it was just crazy how quickly it caught on. I think everybody was really wanting the next Dragon Ball Z, and, like, for a minute, it almost was that. I mean, Gundam was, really was everywhere in, like, the early 2000s. yeah that like you know my my take on it is like i think they botched it after that where they they went back to the original basically and that's not to say like we don't all love the original i just think it was the wrong thing to air after wing yeah i would agree because they had like they had like decades of like more like more modern looking shows like i would uh personally you know i mean i'm just mentioning this because we won't go into it I would have chosen the 08 MS team. I think that would have been a great follow-up for like Gundam Wing. I think that was a better show as far as a modern audience. But yeah, I agree. I, well, th- I think I don't. I, yeah, I don't know if I would huge. go. I, w- I don't know if I'd go with that because that's kind of dependent on the original one. But like I, I always said, like they should have gone with like maybe X, like next because X was. Yeah, we never got not, X over like, here. Yeah, it's like a standalone series, and it was kind of like visually similar to Wing, and it had like the same type of Gundam designs, and like it would have been an easier like kind of transition. And you know, like Garrod Ran is kind of like like duo, like similar character almost. So like it would have been a nice like transition, but nope. Or or even my favorite G Fighter mobile Gundam. I think that would have been a, a yeah, nice like they, you know. Sorry, I, I just keep thinking of things. But my last thing is, I think. After, like, 9-11, they kind of got, like, scared of doing, like, war Gundam series. So that's why they went to, yeah. like, G after that. No, I, I concur with that. I mean, especially the, the themes in Gundam Wing itself. I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll get to it when we go through the synopsis and start talking about, you know, our thoughts on this particular, you know, OVA series, movies, and, and even maybe talk a little bit more about the, the TV series itself. What about you, Justin? You were, I, I think you were about to chime in with something too yeah tony was talking about the the huge popularity of gundam when gundam wing hit and yeah it, it really was popular and i remember i may have told this story before but i remember a buddy of mine like he would always check toysrs.com every day when he got home from school because the models were sold out for so long like he, just every day he would check and the next day at school would be like man they're still sold out like why can't they get more stock it's probably crazy and then I remember one day, like, he called, and he was, like, all in an excited, like, huff, like, out of breath for some reason. He was like, the racket stock, tell me what you want. Quick, we got to make this order before they sell it again. <laughs> I was like, uh, 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 week zero. Like, okay, bye. I immediately hung up. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it, it was huge. I mean, 
models were everywhere. Then we had like action figures and things. Like I, I just remember, you know, the, you know, like I'd, I'd always enjoyed putting models together. So like putting like a basically a model robot together and putting like decals on it. Like that, that was great. And I, I spent, you know, so much time putting together like every gun and wing model I could get my hands on when, you know, I, I still have most of them. But yeah, like the sudden popularity, like it, it really like shouldn't be forgotten like it was a big it was a big thing for a while I, I think that's probably a good transition point into one of the things i wanted to go over before i read my cobbled synopsis of the film together but i i did want to bring up for me and this is something i've definitely mentioned in the past is one of my sort of gateway drugs into gundam besides you know seeing some of the series on cartoon network was this anna america mobile suit gundam special basically and there were two versions of this and i've got like the original magazine version and then there's this kind of you know dare i say it special edition version which was like amped up and it was like more than a magazine it was almost like a book but usually they called it the the world of mobile suit gundam and speaking to what Tony and Justin are both saying, you know, what I sort of forgot, because I, I sort of went through this and I was flipping through kind of trying to get to the point where I was like, oh, you know, because it went in order and it sort of told you like all the UC series and all the, you know, alternate universe series and the different timelines and everything that you had to keep track of. And it was a really wonderful guide to the world of Gundam, so you could kind of say, oh, I've seen this series, but boy, I'd really like to watch these series, and some of them had been imported to the U.S., and some of them hadn't, so it basically sort of opened up your eyes to, you know, all these different series and everything, but as I was flipping through the book, like, there's things that I notice about, you know, check out Gundam model and toys, you know, buy these model kits, you know, check out this Battle Assault video game, you know, and it was like there were all these kind of things that they were trying to market to people you know just like tony and justin were saying so there were there there was a big marketing push for this in the states like bandai really did want to make it something that was going to be you know the next big thing whether it was you know pokemon or star wars or whatever and and for a time you know like like justin was saying you'd walk into toys r us and there'd just be, you know, aisles with these these toy Gundam figures and model kits and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, even even myself, you know, I know I, I sort of was more into the the little figurines of the characters and stuff like that. So I remember buying a few of those and, you know, having the the, the those banks. I don't know if I told that story, but you know, those those basically the the banks where the the mobile suits would move on their own basically and fight one another and stuff so you'd hook up like Char Zaku to Amuro's RX78 and they they'd fight each other and stuff like that and so i i always thought that kind of stuff was cool after colony 196 humanity finally achieves peace but the ashes of war give birth to a new threat. We at Colony L3X18999 hereby declare war against the nation. A child is building an empire to avenge her father. I will rule the world. With Gundams at her side, Earth will feel her fury. Drop the colony onto Earth. Stop this at once. The remaining pilots will battle each other to stop her. I'm asking you guys are doing the right thing. The endless walks of war, peace, and revolution. 
revolution continues. See for yourself just how powerless you are. Roger that. You will surrender. Special Gundam Wing movie. Endless Wars. Friday, November 10th at 5. Suit up again. Only Toonami. I, I guess what I thought I'd start out with, just to give sort of an introduction to what we're about to talk about, there's an article here in the Anna America magazine that's written by Mark Simmons, and so I'll, I'll read that, and this is kind of a semi-review and, and semi-introduction to what we're about to talk about, and then I'll kind of read the cobbled synopsis that I put together, and then we can start kind of, you know, discussing the film and going over our thoughts on it and everything. But just for people who are listening, basically, this is from Mark Simmons' article. This is Fast Facts, a three-episode OVA series and movie compilation released in Japan in the year 1997. A year has passed since the end of the Great War between Earth and the space colonies. A new world government has united both sides and dedicated itself to total pacifism, destroying all its weapons in the name of peace. However, another new faction sees this as an opportunity to make its grab for power, and the Gundam pilots are forced to come out of retirement and protect the fragile peace one last time. Despite its brevity, three half-hour episodes later compiled into one feature-length movie, Endless Waltz packs a lot into its short-running time. As well as a gripping new adventure, the story shed some light on the mysterious pasts of the Gundam pilots and the mission of revenge for which they were originally recruited. The animation, as you'd expect from a deluxe video series, is top-notch, and the redesigned Gundams add an extra element of eye candy. Writer Katsuyu Yuki Tsumisawa returns to script the sequel to the television series, with Yasuno Aoki taking over as director. Character designers Shuko Murase and costumer Yutaka Izabushi likewise repeat their television series roles. On the mechanical design front, the big news is star designer Hajime Katoki's sleek, feminine makeovers for the five Gundams, especially the stunning feather-decorated Wing Gundam Zero. So that's basically his quick right up in the Anna America magazine that kind of is supposed to be like a brief enticement of, you know, this particular film OVA series. And then I sort of cobbled this from various sources. It is the year after Colony 196, Christmas Eve, and the battles between the Earth Sphere and the colonies have ceased. With Trey's Kushranada dead and his organization Oz at an end, the Earth Sphere Unified Nation and their enforcers, the Preventers, take their place. Thinking war is at an end, the Gundam pilots, with the exception of Wu Fei, make plans to send their suits into the sun. However, peace is not to be, as a rebellion occurs on the newly completed colony, L3X18999. The rebels are led by Trey's illegitimate daughter. Seven-year-old Marimea Kushranada. They kidnap diplomatic envoy Relina Dorlin, now the vice foreign minister of the Earth Sphere Unified Nation. As the Gundam pilots investigate further, they discover that Marimea is merely a puppet controlled by her grandfather, Daikim Barton. His ultimate goal is to use the occupied colony to force the Earth Sphere to comply with their demands echoing the original Operation Meteor Contingency plans. To 
prevent Daikim from seizing power and dropping the colony on the Earth's sphere. The Gundam pilots must retrieve their mobile suits currently en route to the sun. Once they have their mobile suits, the pilots use their Gundams one last time to fight against Daikim's forces without taking any human life. In the end, Marimea takes a bullet intended for Relina by Daikim. Daikim is then executed by one of his own soldiers. Earth and its colonies are at peace once again, and all mobile suits, including the Gundams, are destroyed. And that's pretty much the bite-sized, quick and easy wham bam thank you ma'am synopsis for Gundam Wing Endless Waltz. And now, again, I, I'm sure everybody has plenty of thoughts on the piece and everything, but I'm going to open it up to the fan holes and kind of ask them sort of what their first impressions were and if there's any, you know, stories they'd like to share about the first time they've, they've seen the film and stuff like that. And maybe, maybe like, what your thoughts are now. What is it, like, 16 years later? Like, maybe maybe you thought it was kick-ass at <laughs> first, but you're not, you're not so sure it's as kick-ass as you thought it was or, or something like that? You know, does it hold up? Does it not hold up? Like, those, those kind of things. So the floor is now open, gentlemen. For me, like, it hasn't aged very well. Like... I mean, the animation is still, like, beautiful, but, like, the story, like, and even this extends to Wing itself is, like, I don't know, like, I, a lot of the stuff I was like, man, I can't believe I thought that was cool, like, yeah, like, 15 years ago or whatever, like, <laughs> it, like, and I don't know, I notice a lot more, like, you know, plot conveniences and, you know, just even, even I've noticed when I watched it today, like, I noticed a bunch of mistranslations in the English dub. And, like, I was like, man, I didn't even notice that back when I was a kid. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, there there are really cool parts. And there are, like, you know, like, emotionally, like, really nice moments. But, like, I don't know. There's, there's various problems I have with the, like, philosophies. I don't, like, I... I I tend to sympathize more with, like, people who I might have thought were in the wrong, like, back then, basically. I, I think for me, it, it, it kind of, like, there, there's two trains of thought I'm having with this after watching it again. One is something me and Derek were talking about during one of the Gaim episodes we did. We were doing the Gaim Drive movie. And, like, Wayne Gundam ended. It ended. It had a, a like, a very, you know, this is the end of the story. And it was so popular, they were like, okay, well, we got to do an OVA. People want to see this, you know? So they tacked on another story. And the story's not horrible. I mean, it could be better. I agree with Mike. But people really like these guys, and they like the Gundams, and they like had to come up with a story. I actually kind of aching this to Batman v Superman. <laughs> I think if you're looking for like a lot of story and a lot of like, you know, deep, you know, meaty plot, you're, you're probably going to be a little bit annoyed. But at the same time, you know, just like when Batman fights Superman, seeing all the Gundams come together and, you know, you even have Zex Marquis and, and Noin, like, joining in and they're all on the same side, they're all on the side of Angels and stuff. Like like Mike said, again, there's some really cool points, you know. I, I still kind of get some chills when Mari Mayai, Mayai is like, you know, like... Mari Mayai. Yeah, Mayai. I always say Mayai because, I don't know why, Mari Mayai. She's like, you know, basically taunting Hero, like when they're in the bunker, and it's like, you know, you're just going to have to destroy everything if you want to take me out or take out, like, you know, my family. And like, Hero in true action hero form just says, Roger that, and just blast the fuck out of him. 
I mean, you know, that's just like, that's a cool thing. You know, that's that's a very enjoyable thing. I think one of the things that bugged me, and I'll, I'll definitely go to Justin after this, I don't, I mean, I understand the basic concept of Gundam as far as they, there's people who don't want to fight, and they fight because they have to. But as a giant robot fan, it was it was kind of a little bit of butthurt at how damn determined they were to destroy the Gundams. And I'm like, but the Gundams are cool. Why do you want to destroy them? And you know some asshole is just going to come back and want to fight some more. And you're going to be like, oh, I'm an acrobat. I'm cool. You know, like. <laughs> I, I was yeah I was kind of, I was kind of joking like as soon as like they they self detonated all their Gundams at the end it should have been like you know and then aliens invaded and everyone was screwed <laughs> the end yeah. yeah it's like when it's like when Mister Spock like from the Mirror Universe converts everybody to peace it's like and then they were conquered by the Klingon Cardassian Alliance you know it's like so that didn't work out so well you know I'll wait for the Klingon Cardassian Alliance to take over after Colony era yeah. You know, Earth or Wouldn't it be great if we had some Gundams? Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it's like, but we blew them up! It's like that one guy, but you blew them up! <laughs> you blew up the mobile sound! <laughs> what, what about you, Justin? Does this does this hold up for you? Do you have different views on it now, like sort of 16 years later? Like, how 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 is this viewing for you? See, I, I'm going to have to disagree with Mike. Like, to me, it still holds up. I, it had been a while since I'd watched Endless Watch. Like, I, I had rewatched the whole series maybe a year or two ago. I mean, kind of like, my, there are faults I can see, and there are things in it that I'm like, well, I thought that was cool, but now I like, I don't I don't really know about it. I, like, I don't, I don't think it's cool. But, like, to me, overall, like, the, ser- the series still holds up. Endless Watch still holds up. But the, the thing that, like, I still, like, question is some of the, like, morality and some of the like implications and the themes of the the series overall like i like i'm I'm i think i was a senior in high school when this when this all came out and like i can remember discussing with my friends like you know could you like fight a war and bring peace to the whole nation like would you ever be able to like you know kind of like superman like just take all the nuclear weapons and like throw them into the sun or destroy them somehow I would always say no. Like, I don't think you could realistically do that, barring some kind of, like, you know, space aliens coming down or, you know, like, Dr. Manhattan, like, does something wacky and beats a, like, squid or something. Like, I don't I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's kind of like, you know, the Star Trek universe is all great and, you know, everyone has food in the house and no one has to work and blah, blah, blah. But, like, yeah, that's great, but it's... It, never gonna happen like i always skew to like the babylon 5 kind of like train of thought like you know if we ever like make it into space and we have space stations and colonies and whatnot like we're gonna take all the like bad stuff with us so like well you know i I can admire like the philosophy of gundam wing like being a pacifist like wanting to like fight to end all wars ever like, I, I can admire that, and, like, I thought that was cool as a kid. I was like, that would be nice, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. And, like, I, I still never, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I still enjoy the series. And I guess kind of like Mike's pointing out, there are a lot of conveniences. Like, I, I was noticing this today when I was watching it. I was like, you know, it's pretty convenient that all the Gundam pilots just kind of decide to not initiate Operation Meteor. Which I, I guess you could argue that the original the original Troa like was totally for it until he was executed or whatnot. But like it just seems kind of like 
we've got these five guys with these five like destructive machines and we're gonna like drop a colony and then they're gonna wipe up the place and then they're just like they'll decide now nah, we're not gonna do that we're just gonna like wreak chaos and take on oz and do all this stuff and whatnot and i don't know yeah well, the thing i was alluding to in my intro was i was kind of thinking about I was like, Troa, okay, you infiltrated this, the Barton family, like, like their organi- new organization, and you, you, apparently you used your, your alias name, like Troa Barton, knowing full well that that was the son of the guy who runs this, like, organization, like, because the guy, like, immediately, like, you know, pulls him out of a lineup where he's like, you know, Troa Barton, proceed to the front, like. Like I don't know. Like even even if you well, thought well, that not wouldn't not only that, but like like the guy's like doing a speech and he's like you know doing a whole propaganda thing and like Troy's like I disagree. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute, what? Like okay, like that did like that kind of jumped out at me, but I'm sure there's some clever clever explanation for it. But I don't know, that just really jumped out at me. But yeah, and the other thing I wanted to bring up was the the same problem the series had where if you're piloting a grunt suit or just a ship like and you're not a main character you blow up in one hit but like if you're a main character and you're piloting like a grunt ship or a grunt suit or a ship like you can take like as many hits as it takes like to do you know what whatever you need to do like i mean they're like uh, hero and you hero and you uh hero and (laughs) hero and duo are kind of like like we've got to get into this colony and all we have is this like shuttle and like there's like eight like mobile suits like guarding it and it's like what's the plan it's like let's just fly straight and like (laughs) dead ahead into them like i was like okay well that doesn't seem like that much of a plan but i I guess it worked because their plot armor was on max so yeah yeah i mean i mean all these characters i i think i think you sort of have to take it with a grain of salt i mean it's really weird because there's there's lots of these things that are conflating kind of imagery or philosophies and you know it's kind of like what justin was saying there there is the aspect that they're fighting to end all wars you know they're they're fighting for peace you know and and whether you want to laugh at a guy like peacemaker with his beer bong helmet or wonder woman because she seems to be sort of has that that split personality of like i'm for peace but i'm a warrior you know and that kind of thing where where you feel like there's some kind of dichotomy in 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 what they're doing and and how they go about their goals but in some ways like and and i don't know if this is going to make justin laugh or not but in a lot of ways i think of these guys as like the lone ranger like if the Lone Ranger were a bunch of teenagers who were terrorists and had mobile suits, you know, like and, and it's just like because it, it, it's like it's like this thing of like you just have to be willing to suspend your disbelief because it, it's weird. Gundam is the real robot genre, and this is sort of layered with the veneer. It has like the frosting of the real robot genre, like stuff looks real, stuff maybe blows up real, but when you come to the actual pilots, like Mike saying, and they do these ostentatious, outrageous things where mobile suits explode and they don't have a scratch on them, or... You know, what I kind of point to is the Lone Ranger comparison. These guys are so good. It's like they can blow up suits and shoot people in suits, but somehow magically nobody dies. Like like when they decide people don't die. You know, so it's like, oh, I've blown up like 50 mobile suits. It's like, but luckily nobody was hurt. Good job, <laughs> guys. Let's keep it up. 
You know what I mean? And and it's just like one of those things where you basically just have to be like, okay, dude, this is the Lone Ranger. Like, guns kill people, but the Lone Ranger doesn't. But he's the best there is with a gun, right? So it's like all the Lone Ranger does is shoot guns out of other people's hands, basically. You know what I mean? And and that's yeah, it's like, it's like... essentially what's going on here. You know, they, they, they cut up the guns, they, they, they slash legs and limbs and everything, and then, of course, everybody, you know, is doing the, the Ewok run out of the cockpit or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, like that, that kind of thing. So, I mean, you, 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 I guess, have to, you know, just be in that mind frame when you watch it. Even Ewoks die, damn it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I still think I might come down on the side of Justin just out of nostalgia's sake. Like, because I, I still get a kick out of watching this. I still enjoy the moments in the movie. You know, I love the confrontation between Wu Fei and, and Hero. You know what I mean? Like, like and, and even though, like, people like to make fun of it, kind of like the way they probably made fun of, you know, Dawson's Creek when Kevin Williamson had teenagers talking like, 30-somethings or whatever, you know, like that that might have been a common criticism. In this case, you've got these, you know, these kids who are basically war-torn veterans at this point, and, and they're having these philosophical debates over what it means to be a warrior or a soldier in a post-war period. You know, how you get treated, how you get discarded, yeah. like those kind of things. And I think some of that stuff is is relevant and real today. I mean, it, it's kind of like you said, it, it's kind of like that veneer of the real robot genre. But, I mean, essentially, it's it's very frost-layered. You know, like, if you actually dig into the cake, it's like, yeah. you know, w what's the ultimate solution? It's like, you know, Wu Fei, basically, at the beginning, he probably should have just been a preventer to begin with and been taken care of. But, but kind of like the character in Star Trek Beyond, you know, he's like a soldier who basically was discarded after the war and, and felt like he was taken advantage of and not not looked after, you know? And, and, and there is that aspect to... Like, Wufei legitimately joins Daikim's organization. Like, you know, he it, it's like, you know, Tro yeah. is infiltrating yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But, but he legitimately believes in in what's going on because he's like well wait a minute i've been a warrior this whole time that's the only time i actually feel like i'm doing something worthwhile and now that that's all been quote unquote taken away you know then then what is there left for him to do and you know and hero basically kind of turns it around on him and and you know brings up the kind of the the moral conflicts you have maybe in retrospect because this was something that came out in 1999 and 2000 so this is a pre 9/11 like yeah American release of an anime where the lead protagonists are ostensibly teenage terrorists who go around blowing shit up. I mean that's basically what they do for the course of the anime. And 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 then in a in a you know basically looking at it in hindsight, you know like kind of what Mike was saying, there is that notion of you come to 9-11 and you know they're airing the original mobile suit gundam and all of a sudden not not just with that series but with everything that was on tv at the time all of a sudden it was like everybody screeched on the brakes and was just like anything that could possibly be a trigger for somebody on television was immediately yanked and and if you go back and look at this now you know there are themes that kind of point you in that direction you know that like you can you can sort of see these 
sort of premonition notions of things in this kind of piece. But again, to me, it's very sort of frost-layered. I mean, you can basically, I, I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I kind of come down to the side of Justin. Like, you can kind of turn that off and just enjoy the moments of, you know, like Tony said, I love the moment where, you know, he does the, you know, your shelter is secure, is it? And she's like, you know, go ahead and try. <laughs> and he's like, Roger that. You yeah. Know? But but the veneer of it is, you know, it, it's funny because, you, you know, you bring up like somebody like, say, you know, Superman or something like that, right? And it's like, Hero is that kind of super robot type character, you know, in that genre. Like, he can do anything he needs to do to save the day. But at the same time, like, there's not a whole lot of consequences to what he does. I mean, they, they try to layer it with consequences. It, I mean, essentially, it, Relina is in that bunker, right? And he's going to blow away the yeah. bunker <laughs> that his girlfriend is in. And it's supposed to be like this moving moment of they, they both kind of share a moment where it's like, I understand what you have to do. And I understand that I'm in here and I could be a potential sacrifice for the whole point of what you're trying to get across. And they both kind of have that unspoken moment but they both sort of acknowledge each other before he does it and that's when the little girl like fucking pisses her pants and is like wait what like i thought i had the upper hand you know i thought i had a hostage like i thought there was no way he was going to try to shoot down my bunker and when she finds out that that's not the case then it's like this rude awakening for the character and that's a lovely great moment you know what i mean it's like an awesome moment he's badass but at the same time it's like Superman heat visions a building, but yet Lois Lane doesn't die. He gets to look cool, but, like, there's no real con... Like, did anybody die from that fucking, you know? Naked <laughs> did. You, you, could, you could tell it, it was Later a little on. more... You could tell it was a little more dangerous in this movie because uh, Hero traded his biker shorts for like jeans this time around. So he was probably like, he was like, probably like, I might be, I might scrape my knee in this one. This one's pretty like, this is pretty harrowing. Like, yeah, this one's pretty rough. Yeah, but but I mean, I I, I do tend to, I I guess in in the sense of what you're talking about, Mike. I mean, I do tend to see some of the flaws to it, but I, I think it's the same kind of flaws that you would see in in your everyday action movie where you're like oh dude dude got shot in the arm but yet he's holding on to the cliffside with the same arm that he got shot yeah. in you know and you just have to be like all right well this guy is fucking sylvester stallone arnold schwarzenegger you know whoever it is like you know plot armor you know they can do anything they're uh, you know essentially even though they're just a dude like you and me they're really yeah. not they're they're batman and they have like these superpowers to like get shot in the arm but yet you know, they don't have to go to the hospital. Well, I'm sure, I, I was going to say, and I'm sure Justin will have something to say about this, but, like, I know, I know Justin, you're, like, a fan of Zex Marquis and stuff, but, like, I, I was, always, like, watching this again, like, in recent years and today, like, I was kind of, like, like, Okay, so every, like I guess he's like Magneto basically, because I was like, man, didn't you just try to blow up Earth like last year, and now like <laughs> everyone's cool with you again? Like, okay, well I guess so. Like, Mike, Mike, as long Mike, as long Mike, as you're sorry. Marquise, this is perpetual win. Come on. I now. guess so. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're sorry, like you know, it, it's it, it's all good. Like he, he does have that stray dude mentality too, where 
you know, Noin's like totally like on his jock the whole time. It's like, I can't wait any longer. It's like, <laughs> understood. <laughs> you know, like, and it's like, you know, but you He's know, like, all he really wants to do as is. As I say. <laughs> all he really wants to do is run off and, and join the Crossbone Vanguard or go fight Oob or whatever he really wants to do off in outer space. Oh, he's like, have you not noticed for the last seven messages I haven't been wearing pants in my suit? <laughs> Look at me! I love you! Yeah. I, I think, like, I mean, like I said, I, I may have sound like I was being negative, but I actually, like I said, I see the flaws in it, but at the same time, I also like big robots fighting each other, and you do get that. One thing I, I, I did want to, to note that you mentioned in the synopsis, Derek, is the redesigns of the Gundams. Like, Wing Zero and Death Scythe probably have, like, kind of the least renovations because they just have new wings. Like, yeah, Wing Zero does have feathery wings and Death Scythe does have kind of, like, Batman wings. But the basic suits look basically the same. But, like, Sandrock and Heavy Arms, and it's not even the same. It's not even Ultron. It's like a brand new suit, as, as far as it seems. He calls it Nataku, which is, of course, you know, reference to his past and, you know, his sister and everything. And it's like... When I saw those suits come out, being that kind of mecha guy, that guy who likes, you know, technical stuff and stuff like that, that was really awesome. I mean, even Tall Geese 3, that was, like, cool how it had, the, you know, the heat rod that the Epion had and everything. I, like, did, did the new suits really kind of get you into it where, like, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I gotta buy toys of that. Like, you were saying, Justin, with the models, where you're like, okay, I gotta buy models of all these new suits. <laughs> yeah, I, me- I remember, like, the, the like, Star Trek comic book continuity guy in me was like, but why are they different? So eventually, I just yeah. like, eventually I was like, okay, so toys, you know, like I just accepted it. But yeah, like I, I went out and bought toys or, or models of most of these, and like I, I still have the action figure of the Toggies three somewhere. Like that, like that's, you know, one of my favorite like toys from that line, and, and that's a really great figure. Yeah, like I, I like all the redesigns. I mean, some of them are kind of like I guess impractical, but like they're certainly striking. I mean, I like the Sandrock custom, which is my avatar. Like I thought that was like the most boring suit of the original five, but like the redesign is probably my favorite one. Like I, I just like the color scheme and the fact that like his swords have been like doubled in size, and then like he wears a giant big like you know desert cloak, so I think it looks pretty badass. Yeah, I figured you'd, you'd appreciate the whole cloak on a robot thing. I, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Mike, isn't it cool when robots wear cloaks? Yeah, it's yeah. like that's a trope I enjoy. So yeah. What did What did you guys think about Wing Zero having the wings though? Because I know some people thinks it looks too organic or it doesn't look you know it doesn't fit, but honestly. Like the way that the animation is done, you can tell like they're they're robotic angel wings. You know, they're segmented and everything. Like that. I thought it was like a really interesting choice to make. You know, hero almost look angelic. Like as far as yeah, I mean, there 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 is that meta aspect to it that you know, especially in the the fight sequence between hero and Wu Fei. You know, that when he basically stops fighting, I mean, he literally is a fallen angel at that point, pretty much, right? Like, he he just kind of stops what he's doing and, and sort of collapses into the planet, basically, and hangs out underwater until he decides, oh, wait, it's time for me to be cool again. And then he flies back and, and you know, saves everybody's ass. I think Aside from, like, that, like, and I totally agree with that, where they're trying to go with, the yeah, some kind of angel metaphor, I think it's also, like, a sort of logical extension from, like, his previous designs, where, you know, Wing Zero turned into a plane, so now it, like, turned, it's sort of like a bird, almost, now, so. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was going to sort of poke fun at myself, though, but what I wanted to say in terms of nostalgia was there, there's a lot of things in this piece that bring back memories to me, you know, like, because I, I think of that, the whole Annie America magazine, and I remember I had this in the last Christmas that I actually spent in New York City. So, like, this kind of corresponds. Like, I know this came out, like, November of 2000, but I would have watched this, and I would have had that Anti-America magazine with me the last time I went to New York City to visit my family out there and everything like that. And then, I guess, poking fun at myself, what I wanted to get to was that whole Hero versus Wufei fight. Like, I really, really do like that fight. And basically, it, it sort of has the honor of being, like, among, like, the top what, like, five anime fights that I would play when I would get into a drunken stupor back when I used <laughs> to do stuff like that. So it was, like, it was, like, this this fight, and, like, I used to love watching, like, Vegeta, like, blow himself up on DBZ when he was fighting with Boo, and then I would watch, like, the Spike Spiegel and, and Vicious fight, you know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it would be, like, one of those... You know, if I if I did a list of like my my favorite like fights in anime or whatever, like this that that one is definitely like a big one and it does stand out to me. So I, I don't even know if it's a matter of holding up. I mean, it was one of those things where I just watched this like that part of it at the very least over and over and over again. As much as you want to sort of maybe you know you you can easily poke holes in some of the the political machinations of the piece or how it's kind of frothy with politics and not doesn't really take the consequences quite seriously you know but i i you know the the moments that i enjoy even even if they don't make a whole hell of a lot of sense it's kind of like you know they they make a big effort to point out that hero has suffered the pangs and the sturm and drang of having been responsible for collateral damage you know, like, they talk about, that. that's his whole point, you know, he's like, I, I killed the little girl and her dog, you know, like, like, you know, would, would somebody have to do things like that to keep, you know, if, if you were to be involved in a war, like, that's, that's a possibility, you know what I mean? But, but at the same time, it's funny, because then they turn around and do the Lone Ranger stuff, where it's like, they're, they're totally impeccable and basically impervious to mistakes you know what i mean like like so so that's kind of funny well no, like i noticed this time like what's also funny about that like they're you know they're lauding them at the end for like not killing any of the mobile suits and stuff but how many guys did like hero and duo like mow down with machine guns like just getting into like the colonies like control room <laughs> and stuff it's like they got michael ironside as as batman it's like rubber bullets Honest. I, it's funny because like I, I gotta pull out my like henchman twenty four impression again, where I'm like, uh, it kind of seems like you guys killed more people like preventing what we were gonna do than like what we were gonna do like would kill basically like. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, yeah. I know it like obviously well, I, had to like be be stopped, but it, it's like you know, it kind of seems like you guys have more blood on your hands than we do. Just saying, you know. Then what's her face comes back and like shames all the the civilians into helping them in the fight by calling the the wing boys real men and all the, the other guys <laughs> that are sitting there watching the 
the, the television are like, you know, you're the only real man I fear up on that screen. You know, and it's just like, what? <laughs> you know what, I, you know like, what I, found, right. I found funny about that scene? It reminded me of like any any number of like mob scenes from The Simpsons where it's like, you know, Moe's always like riling the mob up and he's like, hey, yeah, let's go down there and find like Relino or whatever. Yeah, like, let's <laughs> like, 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 us hot, us hot, yeah. go find Relino. Like, come on. <laughs> I like I like how it's like they're just down the street from where that's happening apparently. Like all they have to do is get in a bus and like drive out there like a few a few miles or something. Like they're like they're not halfway across the world or something like that. But yeah. I like where do you guys get torches at this hour? <laughs> I, I guess, you know, again, not not to hit home the point, but you know, this this is our Christmas episode, so peripherally speaking. I mean, this has the the thinnest of tethers, but I mean, it does. You know, the 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 piece does start on Christmas Eve. You see a lot of Christmas trees and everything in the opening ceremonies and everything like that. And there's snow. And and by the time they actually, you know, go through with this sort of climactic battle, I mean, it is pretty much Christmas Day. So like that that's something that I know I found myself. I know sometimes people play different things and I remember I would get into the habit of especially when I spent Christmases by myself sometimes, you know, I would I would get into the habit of playing different things on Christmas whether it was, you know, an episode of Batman the animated series or, you know, just something that had a a Christmassy theme but something I enjoyed, you know, something I liked whether it was like comics or whatever. And this was something that I would play on on Christmases. You know, just because I was like, oh, yeah, like this kind of is something I enjoy, but it all, you know, obviously it, it's not exactly within the holiday spirit per se, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I guess by the time all said and done, you know, like, like m most people kind of get like a happy ending. Although the, the one thing that's always bothered me, and this is probably the same thing that, that bothers me about other similar relationships in Gundam, where these characters have this weird unrequited quieted, unspoken connection. I, I always hated that Relina and Hero never, like, really cemented anything. Like, like it, it, even in this, like, it's like at the end of the anime, it's like there's the stupid little bear that he puts on the plane, and I get the significance of that, but it's like one of those things where, like, why don't you get on the fucking plane, asshole? You know, like, why don't you <laughs> hang out with her? You know, like, like she doesn't want a bear. She wants you. You know, and like, and like, then I'm gonna the, fuck that bear, dude. You know, and and then and then in this, it's like you'd think like, oh, well, they could rectify their mistake. Like, Relina and Hero can go off and live happily ever after or something. But no, like, Hero's got to be superhero badass and fade into the background with his tank top and like just you know walk amongst humanity and and not be a soldier anymore you know and that kind of thing but it's like slung over his shoulder well if it, it makes you feel any better derek like in the in the manga like adaptation like it's it's it pretty much shown that hero becomes like her bodyguard basically like see that that would have been cool to see in this like that does make me feel better so speaking of, of manga like maybe it's it's worth mentioning like some of the the manga that was surrounding this like i know one of the things that i thought was pretty applicable to this episode was there there was a manga titled episode zero and, and kind of like this piece in endless waltz there there are constant flashbacks whether it's like you know heroes having a daydream and falling asleep or you know basically they're having flashbacks to before, yeah you know to, to before you know the the anime series started 
and episode zero, while it's not it's not word for word or you know scene for scene the same thing, episode zero basically is entirely before the series. And there's there's plenty of moments like that where you know they interact with the scientists that all look like they're from fucking Astro Boy or whatever you know with their big schnozzes and weird fucking faces and shit like that and, <laughs> you know so I mean I you know I I, I think I don't know it, it, it's it's one of those things where it's it, I guess that manga is the first one that I thought of you know when I yeah, and, and I guess the original anime writer wrote episode zero, so I think in some people's eyes, you know that that manga has a bit more credence yeah. well, than maybe know, other other manga. You know, yeah. the story behind that manga is that like that was supposed to be like a series of episodes where they were going to delve into the pasts of like the five pilots, but instead like they ran out of budget. So I think like those those slots are filled by clip shows and the actual anime. Yeah, I, I always like those flashbacks that we got in the film, but some of them some of them go by like really quickly. Like like here's here's a a summary of like Wu Face flashback. You cannot destroy the colony. I'm angry. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I like I, I haven't read this episode zero. So like I I, I would really like to read that because I'd like to know more about like everything that happened like before they like. Yeah, they they, they go into a lot more detail. I mean, th there are similar moments. Like Wu still has the moments with like the old council or whatever going like, no, you can't do that. You know, like he still has that moment, but it's it's a lot of them are a bit more extended. You know, like, they, they, they go into a lot more detail on what, you know, basically leads up to that event. You know, like, even even Duo, you know, talking with, you know, go be the god of death then, like, you've got my permission. You know, like, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, there's there's plenty of, of you know, extra kind of layers to that in, in the manga at any rate. Yeah, and they, they explain like why that, the, the what do you call what do they call them, the Maguanak core are so yeah, like de dedicated to like Ketra and stuff. Like, so it, it's pretty interesting Justin, I suggest, like I highly suggest it. Yeah, I've always wondered like why are these guys like hanging around Ketra and protecting him exactly, like I've always kind of wondered that. It's just because yeah. Ketra is so freaking cool. No, I actually I hate him. <laughs> Like I, I like I like the sand rock custom, but yeah, Ketra annoys the crap. Can we can we talk about uh, Tony's favorite character in this piece? Can we talk about Marimea? Yeah, I was gonna bring that up. Is like Marimea. Um, okay, I understand the impetus of the character. I understand that she is supposed to be spoiled and you know entitled. She's our first millennial. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But goddamn, she really got annoying at one point. And I, I, even though I've gotten grumpier in my old age, I've also gotten a little softer. But I remember when she got shot, I gave no fucks. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think in in terms of, of my thoughts, like I, I do want to bring up that Mari Maya's English voice actress is Maggie Blue O'Hara, and like she played. Kitty Pride on X-Men Evolution, so I do have a soft spot for the voice actress. She was also 
she played Sakura's friend on the English dub of Card Captors. Oh. And on the English dub of Card Captors, her name was Madison Taylor. But of course, you know, in, in Card Captor Sakura, it's like, you know, Tomoko, like whatever her Japanese name is, basically. And then interestingly enough, and I don't think I remembered this, but I guess she was Bulma's Ocean Group dub voice, too. So, so I oh, guess. Yeah, like at one point, yeah. Annoying young girls falls in her resume, basically. I suppose is is how that shakes out. But I mean, I I do enjoy her work, so I, I I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah, she 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 sells she sells she, sell, she yeah. sells that brattiness. I think mm-hmm. like yeah. Yeah, I, I I think maybe also just given the context of history of how it was released over here, and the context of history in terms of the Gundam franchise. I mean, if you think of, say, you know, stuff that we've watched, like Gundam Unicorn and Audrey Byrne, like, I mean, in some ways, Mari Mea is kind of an echo of yeah, that. Yeah, well, she, she's, kind of she's, she's, of, she is know, intended she, to be, like, a, an homage to, like, Minerva Zabin. Minerva so, Zabin, yeah. basically, yeah. So, so there's that aspect of she's, she's kind of a, even though we saw her first here in America, per se, you know, it's that aspect of, like, dude, Superman, Superman, Hyperion's just a poser. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of... It's like, it's like you're not the real Minerva Zabi. You're just a Minerva Zabi poser. <laughs> you know, like, there, there's that aspect to this character as well, I think. You know, where she's not she's not as cool as the original, you know, per se, you know? Okay, that's like... I may have told this story before, too, but, but it's like, you know, Zex is my favorite character. And for a while, like, I had, like, different accounts on the internet, like, using, like, Lightning Count, or, like, I had a Japanimation account with the name Toggies. And I remember, I think it might have been Shadow on Bot Talk, actually. Like, we were talking about Gundam, and Shadow was like, you like Zex? I was like, yeah, man, like, Zex is awesome. And Shadow was like, Zex is just, like, a third-rate, you know, Char Aznable. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, who is Char? Like, I don't know who Char is, but I know Zex is awesome. Is that, is that like where he is a char came from? He is a char. <laughs> like oh, I, I, I like Zexmar too. Yeah. Speaking of like manga adaptations, like I, I, I think I might have told you guys this before, but like Zex's like character arc in the series is so much better in the manga adaptation because, like, it turns out in the end in the manga, like in in the anime, you would think he just went crazy and decided to like you know destroy Earth or whatever, but in the manga. It turns out, like, he was working, like, undercover, like, the whole time as, like, the leader of, uh, what's it called, White Fang or whatever. And, like, him and Trey's, like, orchestrated this whole war just so they could destroy all the mobile dolls or whatever. So as soon as all of their, they, they are deployed, like, he, he turns the Epion on them, basically, and, like, starts, like, destroying all the mobile dolls with them. I mean, Zex always seemed like a very complex character, even in the anime. It's like, he was never one note you know he was you know i mean the guy he's had like like four nicknames and you know he always came off as someone kind of like takatoro in his head you know for a while i mean yes when epion does come in you know epion does kind of fuck with his head a little bit but he seems like he has noble intentions but he just is going about it in a way that is not exactly proper you know he's like he's, he's got these ideals and he's wanting to do stuff to, to better humanity, but the way it's going about it, I mean, I, I guess, you know, again, the, the Magneto thing is like, you have sympathy for him, but you, you can't condone some of his actions because sometimes he's like, you know, kind of taking it too far. But like, and in, in, in Waltz, though, I mean, he, he is pretty much straight up on the side of the good guys. I mean, he, he's, you know, he's Preventer Wen, you know, he's, he's 
trying to stop, you know, Marimea, and, you know, I, I think this was, like, a good little, uh, ending point for him, you know, he, he's, you know, kind of like we were, again, I, I hate to say Gaim all the time, but we did a lot of Gaim, he, he actually has that kind of bitchy thing, where he, like, you know, yeah, he kind of fucked up at the end of the anime, he's, like, trying to destroy stuff, I think this was a good, this was a good redemption for his acts, where, yeah. Yeah. There, there are a lot of characters, I think, that, like, in this, it would, I guess, to, to put it in perspective for somebody who maybe isn't as familiar with all the characters, I mean, you, you've got the ladies that are members of the Preventers that were always, quote-unquote, you know, I guess, good guys or whatever. Like, you'd probably say, like, Sally was always, quote-unquote, a good guy or something like that. But then, like, yeah. Noin was always kind of in bed with Zex, you know, per se, you know, literally and figuratively, or wanted to be, you know, literally or whatever, but... And, and wishfully, thankfully, yeah. <laughs> you know, which, which, you know, by extension, you know, maybe she's not a good person or not, you know, like, she was obviously with Oz, right? And, like, and then, and then you've got Lady Un, who was also basically, like, Trey's, you know, right-hand woman, you know, but in this, they're all sort of the people that put out, you know, forest fires, for lack of a better term, you know, and, and it, to me, it would be equivalent to, you know, you, you have a, a big giant battle in Secret Wars and everything, and when all said and done, you know, Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man and, you know, Kang and Captain America are all working to, like, stop bad stuff from happening, and you're kind of, like, scratching your head going, well, wow, like, this must be peace, you know, this must be ushering in a new age of peace because look at these people that are working together to bring peace like they they were at each other's throats before this you know like and and they didn't they weren't exactly the nicest of people before this all went down you know yeah Nona was a straight up bitch in the uh, anime <laughs> she, she had some very bitchy moments <laughs> yeah and, and she is she is certainly toned down in this you know they got rid of her glasses she doesn't have her hair in a bonnet anymore but she still has her moments where she slaps the shit out of Marimea. there was another uh, like convenience thing like justin mentioned where she just happens to show up in the bunker like right at the right moment to like tackle relina and Marimea like to the ground <laughs> yeah. so they don't get like crushed by debris or whatever i mean that's what i kind of mean by consequence less actions it's like hero does something that conceivably should kill everyone in that bunker but yet you know absolutely it, hero looks super cool but yet nobody actually dies you know like you know it's like it's like superman snaps zod's neck but he's okay you know it's like and he sends him to prison too <laughs> you know and it's just like well wait like did you do it or did you not do it you know like like so it's it's kind of he even comes on wednesdays to read him a book <laughs> you, yeah you just have to sort of i guess you turn your brain off at that point because because I, I think i think this this is fun to watch but it probably doesn't hold up to intense scrutiny like i yeah i, I remember watching this with friends and you know people you know kind of you know cracking jokes at my expense like you know there's hero and his his fruity green tank top and i, I used to get teased about that because i went out and bought like a green tank top because i'm like i'm gonna be cool like hero and i still, <laughs> I still have the fucking green tank top so it's like you know because i thought it was cool but like you know obviously you know like there's people, like, body, like target he's like yeah i want to buy this green tank top I was like oh is that all today sir roger that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I mean, it, I, I still, I still have fun, kind of revisiting this and watching it and everything. And I, I, I think just by virtue of 
Gundam Wing being like one of the first dubbed series, I'd probably say like this film is something that I've I've watched repeatedly like a, a, a many number of times. So I, I don't even know that I feel like this is something I'm coming back to and rejudging. I just feel like it's like, oh yeah, this is like, you know, the 70th time I've, I've watched this. You know, yeah, like, like I, I mean, I'm making fun of it and poking at it, but like, like you said, like, I mean, the emotional and like the dramatic high points are still like, you know, very effective. And, you know, I, I did feel like nostalgic, like watching it because I probably haven't watched it in like five or six years now, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely like as far as like OVAs or stuff you could watch the movie. I would definitely put Gundam Wing and Endless Waltz in my top three because I can always watch Endless Waltz. I can always watch War in the Pocket, even though it's not technically a movie, but you can sit through one sitting and watch it all. And Charge Counterattack as like my three favorite Gundam movies, and like they all have flaws, they all have you know issues, but at the end they're 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 still enjoyable. I like the characters, I like the people. Who do the voices? I, I like the the action. I like the suits. You know, I mean, we've always talked about how much I, I love. I forgot the name of it. Oh crap! The one in War in the Pocket, the, the bad guy. You know, but Endless Waltz has that too. It has that good action. It it, it it I think it does sit better as a movie. I think as an OVA, if you watch it like separately, in three parts, it could get a little disjointed because you're like, okay, let's go to the next one. But as far as a movie, I mean. It gives you what you want. You want to see these five guys kick ass. You want to see, like, the other characters you like, you know, like Justin was talking about Zex, show up again and kick some ass, too. And, you know, I, I was complaining about Mario Man, but, you know, as I said, this is kind of a wrestling thing. You're supposed to hate the bad guy. You know, you're supposed to not like her. You're supposed to be annoyed by her. So she does do a good job as a voice actress. I just really fucking hate her. And I will say this, though, for Mario Man, at the end... Like when they're doing the whole wrap-up scene, she's the happiest girl I've ever seen in a wheelchair. She's like, "Oh wow, a tombstone! Thanks." <laughs> I was mentioning, like, I noticed like some mistranslations in the English script, and the one I noticed was in Troa's like flashback when the real Troa is like freaking out. Troa, like the doctor, like whoever invented heavy arms or what, or created heavy arms, is kind of like. What do you call this Operation Meteor is going too far to get revenge on Hero Yui. And I'm like, isn't it revenge for Hero Yui? Like the original <laughs> Hero Yui? Like, I don't think you want revenge on the guy you're, you, you're enacting this plan for. But <laughs> This is for revenge with Hero Yui. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no words. I was going to ask you guys, what is your favorite redesign? I'm, I'm going to go with Heavy Arms. Because it's a totally different color. He's blue now, blue and white instead of red and white. He's got the twin double Gatling guns. My avatar is is, is also him with like half the clown face, which may seem kind of silly, but I don't know why. That just really is yeah, a cool like, look for me. Yeah, I like I like when the they they the Gundams are like whenever they do they have some kind of like personalized touch to them like that like in, invokes the pilot basically so like I, I really like the half clown face I mean I think I've already said like that Sandrock is probably my favorite of the redesigns but Heavy Arms is probably like the second favorite and I, I don't really like Nataku that much like I feel like they took away his backpack basically so it just looks like he has like you know big arms with the like you know dragon arms but like he doesn't even look like a dragon, he looks more like a crab. 
Yeah, and like they, he used to have a backpack with like wings and like another like you know serpent tail or something. But now I don't know his silhouette doesn't look as imposing anymore. Uh, yeah. I'm with Mike on Sandrock. Like I, I was never crazy about Sandrock or the you know Sandrock custom, the second one. Built the models anyway, just so I could be like, okay, Sandrock said I want to have it built, gonna buy it. I was never really crazy about the design or the colors, but like seeing it in endless walls, I was like, man, like that looks really awesome. Like, I like the colors. Like Mike said, I, I like that his weapons are like you know, double the size. I, I like the desert poncho cape thing. Yeah. That, that, like, you know, I know that's Mike's trope, but I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool. Like, I, I like that. It protects him from sand and spurs. <laughs> Sand and rocks. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, how did that thing survive atmospheric reentry too? Like, okay, well, whatever. It's, I guess it's like asbestos or whatever. Okay, unstable molecule. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yes. So I, I guess I'm pretty easy. I mean, I, I kind of like Hero, and so I probably would just say I, I dig the the Wing Zero with the the feathers and everything. Even though to everybody's you know aghast or whatever, it's like it didn't always have feathers, but it's like yes, it did. It looks. It, it always yeah. had feathers. I mean, it it looks cool. Like and like I said, it it works for like dramatic moments, like like a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think. I mean, when it, it like, like that, that scene where it furls his wings and it's like this big, you know, like I'm here. You know, it's like damn, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, I, I know, like, the nerdy John Byrne, like, explanation, like, because you see, like, all these feathers, like, flutter away from it when he unfurls like that. And, like, people are kind of like, well, those are just hologram feathers. Like, yeah, so, like, okay, well, whatever you need to, like, justify it with. But... <laughs> Air helps you sleep at night. <laughs> uh, let me ask, since we're talking about mobile suits, like, I think I already know Justin's answer, but, like, what? who is your favorite character from Wing? Like, my, mine was probably, like, in retrospect, like, thinking about it. Like, I think out of the pilots, I like Troa the best, but I like... Trey's like is probably my overall like favorite character in Wing just because he was like the puppet master and he was like you know cooler than cool and he had like you know all all the cards and you know finally he just goes out like a boss basically so but what about you guys? Zex Marquis. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. I, I know Justin's answer. I, I bought a green tank top. <laughs> yeah, no, like yeah. I guess yours was obvious too. What about you, Tony? Like, what's who's your favorite character? Like in the series, like in general. Actually, I really like Duo, just because even though some people might find him kind of flat, he's really funny. You know, I mean, obviously he's a well-known voice actor, and he he brought that kind of weird, like oppositeness to him because he's very light-hearted and you know he's always like very confident. But like you know, like it was mentioned, you know, he's like he's the god of death, you know. He pilots like the most sinister-looking of the Gundams, but he's very oddly like light-hearted, and I kind of like that, you know. And I, I think in the series he brought that kind of cool professionalism to the the, the team because Hero is like the programmed assassin, you know. He, he's going to do the job. He's going to get it done. That's what his job is, you know. Katra is going to play a violin. Troa is, you know, pretty cool. You know, he's, he's good with heavy arms, and he, he's got the acrobatic skills. Wufei is also, like, Wufei always came to me as, like, the guy who is, like, heroes, like, you know, antagonist. His, his friendly rival, you know, is, like, you know, Ultron's better than, you know, Wayne's Zero. Like, you know, they always had that kind of weird rivalry. But with Duo, I, I just always felt like he was the guy who 
actually wanted to be on the team, but he would never say it. You know, he wouldn't be like, you know, I'm, I'm all for team, you know, Meteor. But he was like, he was also the guy who would also jump in and help everybody. You know, he, he was always like one of the, he, he had many scenes where he would come in and save the day. And it wasn't too much. It wasn't like, you know, data from next generation where he always saved the day. But whenever he did come and save the day, it was a really cool moment. And I think he was like one of those kind of like characters who a lot of people liked back in the day, but they kind of forgot about him. But I, I still think Duo was a really good character in that series. Yeah. No, Ketra has not, aged, like, out of all the things that have aged poorly in this show for me, like Ketra, like, I've grown to not like him a lot. Like, I just like, like it's yeah. like. Like, like, oh boy, a Catra episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, not only that, but like, you know, he has like that thing like in the series where like he, he combines his swords with the shield and it becomes like this crusher weapon that like superheats like whatever mobile suit it like crushes. And so like I'm watching, like, you know, when you watch that series and he does that move on people, he's like slowly burning them to death. And he's like, I'm so sorry, I have to kill you this way. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Sorry. Get Get over yourself, man. Like, uh. Sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's like, sorry, I have to slowly crush you to death while, like, melting you, too. Like, oh, man. Like, I feel so bad about this. I mean, I could kill you quickly, but I'm going to do this instead. I have an Uzi. I have a giant Uzi. <laughs> then, like, what's his name? Rashid is like, Master Katra, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party. <laughs> Well, I do, I do like enjoy. I did enjoy using Sandrock in the Extreme Versus games, where I think I told you guys I enjoyed Rashiding people to death, because like one of his moves, he sends Rashid out in like his like mobile suit, and he runs and like you know tackles the guy, so you know Katra can like and stuns him, so Katra can go kill him. So I was like, I Rashided you to death. <laughs> Katra's like, I can't fight on my own, Rashid. Yeah. We'll help here. <laughs> It'll be like Ketra and Aquaman should get into a fight where Aquaman will try to dolphin you and Ketra will Rashid you. <laughs> I have a dolphin. I have a, a loyal manservant. Go! Mine's got a robot suit. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I was going to mention this because I think I mentioned this before, but just in case, because it still makes me laugh to this day, as far as Ketra Quattro, whatever you, how you want to say her, say his name. I said her for a reason, accidentally. In Toy Fair, it was really funny because they were talking about Gundam Wing one time. And they were talking about all the pilots and stuff, you know, like all their coolness and all their, you know, flaws and everything. And they're like, you know, Katra's also a pretty hot girl. And then, like, two issues later, they're, like, talking about Gundam Wing again. And it's like, yeah, it's like Katra Winter. We got all the emails. We realized it's a guy. We're really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of remember that, too. Yeah, it's like you're so, you're so You almost came off like a girl to people. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, I, I would, I would agree with all you guys. Kakra is probably the, the the weakest of the the five man group. Yeah. What do you guys think about Wu Fei though? He always gets overlooked. Like, is Wu Fei like even like number two or? Wu Fei's like almost like the Wolverine or something. He's like the that guy or you know like. A... I don't know, like, he's okay, but I, I think I, I sympathize with him a little more, like, nowadays than I would, like, when I first watched this movie, where I'm like, you know, Wolfie's kind of right, like, in, in some ways, like, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I think some of that, that, like I said, that, that veneer of the, 
the political discourse that they have. I mean, you know, Wu Fei has a point. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's not. I, I don't think it's one-sided. You know, like it, it's almost like you know, heroes almost like that guy's like, I don't want to argue with you anymore, so I'm just gonna lie here until you agree with me. You know, like and it's just like okay, like whatever. You know, like I, I mean, I get it, but it, it is kind of kind of goofy. He's all right. Like I, I always like that one episode where he he just decided he's like, I'm gonna kill Trey's, and he like. Just like you know, goes out all out of assault to try and kill Trey's and gets into like this big like sword duel with him. Like I always really liked that episode because he, it seemed like all the other guys were like doing their own thing or their own missions, and he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to kill the guy in charge of this organization, like, and be done with it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's what I would do. Like, just storm in there, man. Then he gets his butt kicked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious. Cause I know a lot of people seem to not pick Wu Fei as their favorite character, but. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I want to turn it over to Derek. This is this is his baby, so if he wants to ask anything. I, I, I feel like we, we pretty much covered it, unless you guys have any, like, final thoughts or whatever. I mean, the, the only other thing I could add to the discourse is, like, you know, my sort of nostalgic memories of things where I, I remember this in particular, like, I've been saying how I really liked the original soundtrack for this, and th this was a, at a period where I was sort of you know, especially getting really heavily into Gundam. So at that point, I was seeking out, like, you know, Hong Kong, you know, English bootleg DVD sets of, like, all the series I had seen in, you know, the Annie America special. And, you know, they frequently had these anime sh stores and shops in Los Angeles. And I, I remember, you know, there was this one that was on Sepulveda Boulevard, and I would always go there. And they had all kinds of soundtracks and stuff. And then I remember I got really into it. Like, I went and found one that was in, I think it was in, like, Orange County or something. And I drove all the way out there. And it was a great place that had, like, not just, like, anime soundtracks, but it had, like, soundtracks from, like, all kinds of stuff. And this was kind of, you know, it, it was 2000. It was 1999. It was kind of, it was pre you know, this kind of internet thing of people downloading MP3s. I mean, that was sort of there, but it wasn't as prevalent as it was now, where, you know, if there was some kind of soundtrack that was, you know, imported or something like that, you could just go online and find it or something like that. Like, this was kind of like, you're like, holy crap, I can get soundtracks? Like, I mean, it's kind of like the way people talk about, like, those La La Land record releases of you know, like, animated series like, you know, Superman and Batman and Justice League, where it was like, oh, yeah. I remember just being, like, completely in awe, like, wait, holy shit, like, there's there's soundtracks of all this stuff, and I can just go out and get it? Like, I, I you know, to me, I'm kind of used to, like, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends having stock music, which I would love a CD of, but I will never, ever get, and I will die a miserable old man before I ever get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's like that that was just totally like sort of I was always awestruck by the fact that I could buy a CD of like to me it was like I can buy a soundtrack of cartoon music like holy crap like this is the greatest and then the the funny thing of it too was I think the majority of the stuff that I bought back then was probably bootleg too but it was like the most exquisite bootleg that you'd ever seen. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it would like like basically if you bought like the real CD from Japan, like somebody would charge you like 40 bucks for it. But what would end up happening is you'd go to these stores whether they were, you know, anime stores or soundtrack stores, and it would look 
you know, kind of like how you talk about like the the masterpiece, you know, third party KO toys or whatever. And it looks basically that CD has the same booklet, the same cover, the same. Basically, it looks exactly the same as the real one, except for instead of charging you forty bucks, they charge you ten bucks. Do you know what I mean? So you were like, well, that's a no-brainer. Like, I can buy, like, every CD from Gundam Wing, you know, operations, like, one through four and Endless Waltz for, like, 50 bucks. I was like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I've got, I've got some, I've still got some old, like, bootleg, like, yeah, not only soundtracks, but, like, series and stuff. Yeah. 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 So, like, those are all, like, you know, that's the only thing I could really finish it off with is just, you know, part of my fond nostalgic memories is just the, the, you know, this was the era in which, one, I was sort of slowly fading away from, you know, Star Wars, pretty much, and and Gundam sort of had, you know, filled that niche for me where I could, you know, kind of revel in some kind of, you know, sci-fi container, you know, yeah, so, so, and, and, and that... You know, the fact that I could get soundtracks and listen to the music and, I mean, you know, uh, Gundam Wing was something that, I mean, I really did, you know, this and the original Mobile Suit Gundam and whatever CDs I could get my hands on, I really did enjoy listening to all the music from this as well. It does have a great score. Oh, yeah. I I think one of the things that, like, really kind of cemented this time in my life is I remember I heard about the store that was a town over. And we wanted to go there because it was a game store, but it was, they, they kind of had this like interesting idea. I don't think it lasted very long. I think it lasted like maybe two years. feel bad about that because I, I wanted to support it more, but so much high-end stuff. And I walked in there one day and it was mainly a game store, but like in the front of the store, because Gundam was so big, they had like all these models and like they were Japanese models. They weren't like, you know, stuff we get over here. And they even had, like, perfect grade models. They had, like, Zeta Gundam. They had, you know, all this stuff I didn't know about. And it, like you said, Derek, this is before the internet really got big. And it was so exciting to see that. And I was like, oh, that Zeta model looks awesome. Okay, it's $400. Fuck that. But still, it's awesome. But, like, I just remember that time in my life where Gundam was, like, this huge thing. And I bought all those, like, as many, well, not all of them. But I bought as many mobile student action figures as I can, the ones that were released by Bandai over here. And I loved those. I had, like, a whole shelf full of those guys. And I just loved... Like I said, I love giant robots. Giant robots is my thing. And for this time period, Wing really did bring me into that. I was really not familiar with Gundam beyond, like, I knew it was a show. I knew it was in the 70s. I knew it was, like, you know, still popular in Japan. But like I said, you know, like, like we said, the internet wasn't that big at the time. And when Wing showed up, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I watched all, the whole series. I really enjoyed it. And I watched Endless Walks, like I said, with friends one night. And again, very enjoyable. And, you know, yeah, does it hold up? I'm going to say, I don't think I, I mentioned if it holds up or not. I think it holds up if you like Gundam. I think if you like Gundam, you'll still have fond memories of Gundam Wing and Endless Walks. I think it'll hold up for that. If you come into it raw might hold up as good as the Gundam live-action movie, which, that's up to you. Just because you want to know what's going on. But this is better than the Gundam live-action movie. I still have that. I still have that DVD from 2001. That's a horrible movie. Never watch that, guys. Gundam Savior. D-Savior. Never watch it. <laughs> yeah, now, now that you said that, I'm going to make you come on the show and cover it with me. Hey, hey, I, I would be happy to no. cover it. No! 
The most positive thing I can say about that is it gave a lot of Canadians a job. <laughs> Canadian Gundam. Hey, oh, you ever seen that, Justin? Yes. What'd you think? I will tell you when we do that show. Oh, so Justin's on board. Justin's on board. Woo! Mission accepted. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you pan over to me, and I've got one of those detonator switches. And I'm like, oh, I'm checking out then. <laughs> Self-detonate. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think this this will pretty much put a cap on the festivities for Gundam Wing, new mobile report, Endless Waltz. I think we, we've sort of discussed it to our heart's content. I think if you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns... You can feel free to email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We can be found on the fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. We are, of course, on iTunes. If you leave a review there, we would be grateful. We are streamable on Stitcher Radio. We have plenty of other spinoff shows in addition to Mobile Suit Mondays. We've got Toku Thursdays, as frequently mentioned by Tony Jackson. We've got Sentai Saturdays. We've got Transformers Tuesdays. And of course, we've got our brand new Comic Books, Motherfucker, Do You Read Them? show all about comic books. And of course, we do have our proper Fan Holes podcast show. So if you've enjoyed listening to this, you know, please feel free to check out any of the other spin-off shows, the proper show. We, we appreciate all kinds of, of listeners and crossover and everything like that. And, of course, you know, this is a Christmas tie-in, so here's wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. I guess I'll be saying that from week to week, but this is part of our Christmas month theme of shows, and we should have one more for you to go, and then uh, that month will be complete. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek W.C., your shelter is secure, is it? Roger that. Signing off. This is Mike. Self-detonate. This is Justin. And this is Tony. You people don't understand what peace is about. I will show you peace. Gotta get Lady Un to slap you. Well, my, the, and then some my, other dude has to, like, shoot you. My, my question, though, is still... <laughs> when are we gonna talk about the mobile stuff? <laughs>
Mike, do you know a lot about that like manga that takes place a few years after, like the end of Wing? Yeah. Oh well, like not the newest like crap or whatever, like that Frozen teardrop like audio drama or something that like is like the sequel to Wing apparently. But I know like I I there's a sequel to Wing. There's there's this really awful like it's 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 audio dramas and text stories basically, Mm. and it's supposedly completely terrible and it takes place like twenty years after Wing, and like heroes been. I don't like it's like hero's been cryogenically frozen and he wakes up 20 years later and he teams up with like all the kids of the other pilots but they're all like identical to their fathers basically. <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought hero was cryogenically frozen and then he showed up in turn a Gundam. I thought that was the whole point. I I thought it was a manga because I remember seeing like some pictures is it is it just like you know, a, a text story with like a few images or something. Yeah, I think that's oh. what it is. And there's oh. like, an, yeah, there's like some color pictures with the audio drama or something. So yeah, I remember seeing Catra, and then it was like Catra is like the daughter of other Catra. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I named my daughter Catra just at, but, right after me. Yeah. yeah, we can say that for the show though. But I, like, I didn't want to like, you it's know, like, you know, you know how you know it's a girl. It's it's Catra Rock. Catra. <laughs> <laughs> I've read like I've read like all the surrounding like side mangas like like Blind Target and yeah I, I thought maybe I mean it might be worth bringing up some of those episode I thought, I thought the most or... yeah I thought that was the most applicable one to yeah. this because they they both had sort of like those those prequel ish qualities to it you know. And you're like, we don't need you anymore, Mike. And then I fall off the airplane, and I'm like, <laughs> and then and then I shoot a cap in your head. Man, Lady Yoon was fucking brutal. She kicked the dude out of a plane and then shot him in the fucking head. Back in the, just to make sure. I don't know if this is gonna like, kill you, but this will. <laughs> I was like, I think he's dead. And then she dives after him and stabs him as he's falling. <laughs> <laughs> she does a bunch of like. Lady Un is the Black Widow of the Wing Universe. Uh. And then they parachute down and they land safely. And then she cracks his neck just to make sure. Also, the Lone Ranger is the Batman of the Old West, Derek. Yes. Anything yes. that happens, like he planned it. Like he totally like. That's why no one ever dies or like accidentally gets hurt. Like he planned. Right. Right. No, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't fault the Lone Ranger. I, I'm just saying the Lone Ranger is impeccable, but I think you, you have to go into that mindset with these guys that they too also supposedly are the Lone Ranger. <laughs> They're like, actually, we meant to send our Gundams to the sun because we knew somebody would come back and we had to fake this, to put them in a false insecurity so when they thought they could take over the world, we would come back and fuck up that Trace little bloodline one more time. It's like, yes, it's true, I have Gatling guns that are 50 feet tall, and I never miss. And if they really wanted to get rid of those things, why didn't they just blow them up in the first place like they do at the end? It's like, did they really have to send them into the sun? Like, no, they didn't. No, I, I was wondering about that too, it's like, Kind of going like a little bit overboard with the whole, you know. We uh, send them to the sun; they'll destroy themselves. It's like you du- have bombs. Du- <laughs> Duo just suggested it to give Catra something to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Catra, what you doing? 
we just been playing Wii Sports with the Magonauts. I'm, I'm kind of bored. You want to send the gun to the, the sun? Do I? <laughs> He's like, Rashid is like, Master Ketra, I must protest, like, our trip to the, you know, to Venus or whatever. <laughs> this is an absurd, like, uh, this is an absurd measure to go to play Pokemon Go. Like, <laughs> it's like, Rashid, there's got to be some rare Pokemon out here. Like, <laughs> I need an Come on. The, the fucking Venus Poke stop. <laughs> <laughs> Catcher and the Magnus never heard from again. <laughs> Catcher like has a memorial for them. It's like Rashid, like he died so play so I could play Pokemon Go. <laughs> Rashid, he got me a Psyduck. Psyduck, <laughs> Psyduck. Rashid, he died as he lived, being my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> So, this is recording. I just had to do that whole one-at-a-time thing. But it seems like now with Tony, like, if I, I think if I add Tony to this call, it'll say something about, you know, I don't know. you got to add Tony to your contact list. And I'm like, what the fuck, you know? He already is added to my fucking contact list. And I, I did literally look at some threads where people were saying the same stupid shit, and it just doesn't really... I mean, I don't know, there was something about clearing out app data, but I don't think that applies, because Tony's on a tablet, right? Like, he doesn't even use Windows, does he? Like, I don't, I don't know. Fucking tablets. Fuck tablets. <laughs> Get a fucking laptop. Then we wouldn't have to deal with this shit. <laughs> your laptop, your, your, your fucking tablet is secure, is it? My tablet's secure. Oh, roger that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking explode the fucking tablet.